0: This is X Men Unraveled, and I am your host, Noel. In this podcast, I follow the X Men comics chronologically, and the past few episodes, I've been going through the adventures and misadventures of the ancient evil mutant Apocalypse. And this week, I am finishing up his pre X Men history with the series Apocalypse vs. Dracula from 1996. This four-issue series tells the story of a centuries-long feud between the two. When I read it, I was really surprised at how much Apocalypse really struggles against the famous vampire. He nearly loses his own life during their encounters, and does lose many followers. But I don't want to get ahead of myself yet, so that's all I'm saying for now. I had planned to include the discussion of this series in the last Apocalypse episode, but it ended up being enough to cover on its own. I also had a lot of fun reading it, so I wanted to have more time to talk about it. I also am trying to avoid information overload during each episode because I think there's a limit on how much info and how much story I should throw out at one time. So we'll spend some time today just on this series. Honestly, when I started making my comic list for this pod, I had absolutely no clue that Dracula was going to be making an appearance, and I'm not going to lie, I was a little bit worried about it. I was afraid it would be kind of hokey, but somehow they make this X-Men-Dracula crossover work really well. I love the book Dracula, and this actually motivated me to read it again. Now all I need is an X-Men and What We Do in the Shadows crossover, and I'll be completely happy. (laughs) But I did really enjoy the series, it was a lot of fun to read, I definitely suggest reading it if you can, even if you do so after you listen to the episode. There's a lot to enjoy about it that comes through on the page, so if you can, I would recommend checking it out. With that, let's get started! The bad blood between Apocalypse and Dracula begins in 1459 CE. At that time, Vlad the Impaler, more commonly known as Dracula, was a powerful warlord conquering more and more territory. He was pretty much unstoppable against any army that he faced. But Apocalypse and his Writers of the Dark show up shortly after one of Vlad's military victories and suddenly put an end to his conquest. I guess Apocalypse had just had enough of Vlad's accumulation of power and decided to take him out. After defeating Vlad's army, one of Apocalypse's four horsemen finds and easily defeats Vlad in one-on-one combat, and once Vlad is incapacitated, Apocalypse finishes him off with the bottom of his shoe. Or, so he believes, for the next 400 years. Fast forward to London in 1897 when bodies drained of blood are discovered in the city. Fun fact 1897 is actually the year that Dracula was published. While the police are investigating the strange murders, they find an odd tattoo on one of the victims. The mark is red and somewhat eye shaped and located behind the victim's ear. The detectives believe it is Egyptian, which is a real leap from how it looks if you ask me, but Victorians were kind of obsessed with Egypt, so maybe that's just what they assumed anything foreign-seeming was? Anyway, the detectives decide to go to Alexandria House, which is owned by a family that supposedly has Egyptian ancestry, to see if they recognize it. But one of the detectives, Jack Starsmore, tries to dissuade his associates from going to Alexandria House altogether, He doesn't say why and gets kind of shady about it, but the other two detectives are determined, so they all go to the house. There they meet a man named Hamilton Slade. He tells them that he does in fact know what the tattoo is. It's the symbol for Clan Akaba. He informs them that the clan is composed of the descendants and followers of Apocalypse, who they revere as a god. Slade goes on to reveal that he is one of the Clan Akaba members himself. Then he murders two of the detectives in cold blood. He literally bites one of their heads off and then turns his hand into a set of daggers to stab the other one. Hamilton then turns to Jack Starsmore, who is revealed to be a fellow Clan Akaba member, and berates him for allowing the police to enter his home. Jack was also supposed to remove the tattoo from the victim they were investigating, but was in an opium den, so he was too late. And, of course, that's what led the police detectives to Alexandria House in the first place. So now we've got an obvious vampire victim and a cult tied to Apocalypse. Some background on Clan Aqaba before we go on. The group's name comes from the area of Egypt where Apocalypse comes from, It's the place where his birth family lived and where they abandoned Apocalypse to die as a baby for his strange appearance. And in a way, the clan becomes a warped attempt at family building for Apocalypse, since he never knew his own after they abandoned him. So he ties these people to him that join through blood and ideology. But it's Apocalypse, so this ends up being a pretty unhealthy, cutthroat family. All clan members manifest mutant abilities through their connection to Apocalypse. One of his powers is to shapeshift his body into weapons, knives, hammers, even guns. And many of his followers inherit this ability, like Hamilton Slade. But others do develop their own distinct and unique powers, like breathing fire, which we learn Jack Starsmore can do, or teleportation. One thing I am not real clear on is how Apocalypse creates these descendants. It's not explained in detail, and I just have a hard time thinking that he's going to procreate naturally. I mean, Apocalypse making babies, that's disturbing to even contemplate. There is a lot of mention in this series about Apocalypse's blood and the power that it holds, So I kind of imagine more that he acquires these descendants through some sort of blood transfusion process, which would transmit his powers to the recipient, and then they can pass those abilities on through generations. But honestly, I don't know, and I'm kind of making an assumption there. However, I prefer not to think about the details or other possibilities too much right now, or ever really. So I'm going with that. I could be wrong, but that's just the way I prefer to see it. (laughs) Either way, Apocalypse forms Clan Aqaba from his quote-unquote descendants. He actually starts this process way back in ancient Egypt, creating a group of powerful mutants loyal to only him that also follow his creed, Survival of the Fittest. But this means that there is some extreme competition among the clan members to be the fittest, meaning of course the most powerful member of the group. That individual serves as the leader of the contentious cult. The dynamics of this unhealthy system really show up in Apocalypse vs. Dracula as members threaten and challenge each other for leadership. Through the centuries, Clan Akaba carried out the will of Apocalypse. In the series Ozymandias, the general that Apocalypse slaved in Rise of Apocalypse as his chronicler, Recites various events that the clan took part in. They were present for the burning of Rome, the French Revolution, and even sailed to North America on the Mayflower. The first two make sense to me, but I am not sure what the point of the clan being on the Mayflower specifically is, unless Apocalypse wanted to take part in the destruction of Native American society. I don't know, just threw me off. Nonetheless, the clan was there and more than likely present at other important historical junctures. Each member of the clan is marked by a red tattoo, like the one found on the victim in London. It's located on various places on their body, and the size of the tattoo directly relates to the extent of the individual's powers. So, someone of lesser standing in the clan will have a small tattoo but someone like Hamilton Slade, who's the most powerful member in the London group, has a tattoo covering his entire chest. With that bit of background for Clan Aqaba, let's get back into the story. After Hamilton Slade murders the police, he sets out to investigate the murder of the woman Jack Starsmore found, and some of the other group members who have been found murdered as well. However, Hamilton goes missing as well, so the rest of the clan council convenes to decide what to do, because they're kind of freaking out. They're supposed to be powerful mutants, you know, they see themselves as descendants of Apocalypse, so anyone defeating them is kind of a big deal. Seeing no other option to their situation, they take the drastic step of summoning Apocalypse. This ends up being a pretty gruesome ritual, because they summon him and he just emerges from inside one of the group members, like he's hatching from an egg or something. The chosen member obviously doesn't survive the process. But Apocalypse doesn't appreciate being awoken from his hibernation chamber in Egypt, so it's kind of his way of making them pay for it. Honestly, I get it. Wake me up at your own risk. I respect Apocalypse's respect for sleep. The council tells Apocalypse that they are being hunted by a dangerous, unknown enemy. But being the unloving patriarch that he is, Apocalypse is just pissed at being bothered and accuses them all of being pathetic and helpless. Then our detective from before, Jack Starsmore, interrupts the meeting and brings in a visitor, Abraham Van Helsing. Yes, that one. This incarnation of Van Helsing definitely follows the vampire hunter role he takes on in non-Bram Stoker stories. And he is constantly armed with an array of typical vampire fighting tools, holy water, crosses, and of course, some garlic. While talking to Apocalypse, Van Helsing also hints to a previous encounter between the two, when he believed Apocalypse might be a vampire. Now that he has everyone's attention, Van Helsing tells Apocalypse and the Council that the clan's unknown enemy is none other than Dracula, who is seeking vengeance. Helsing's revelation falls flat as Apocalypse morphs into Kiki Palmer and says, I don't know who this man is. Sorry to this man. But Ozymandias is like, uh, remember that battle 400 years ago when you stepped on that dude's head? You can almost see Apocalypse's eye twitch on the page as he puts it all together. It's kind of a great moment. Most of the clan is still skeptical of Van Helsing's claim, So to back it up, he takes Starsmore and Apocalypse to the morgue, where the bodies of the murdered clan members should be. But when they arrive, they find the bodies missing, just before they are attacked by their former colleagues, who are now undead vampires. They also retain their mutant powers from being descendants of Apocalypse, which makes them really dangerous and scary. So they're vampire mutants. Scary combination. It's like fast zombies. You just don't want to see it. After they defeat the vampires, the group heads back to the mansion, where they find the council has been massacred, and only Hamilton Slade's brother, Frederick, is left alive. They are then ambushed by Hamilton and the other clan members, who have all turned against Apocalypse in order to serve Dracula. Hamilton and a horde of vampires, mutant vampires, descend on Apocalypse and are only defeated when Van Helsing pulls out a little gold cross to keep the vampires at bay. The group is still trapped and only manages to escape because Frederick Slade turns out to have a hidden ability to teleport, and transports them all to safety in a rural cottage. A little background on Frederick, because he ends up being an interesting character in the story. He stands out because he's got pink hair and lime green eyes, which is honestly a pretty cool look. He is also a member of the Clan Aqaba Council, but he is confined to a wheelchair and can't speak. It is revealed that Frederick was once the most promising member of Clan Akaba, but his brother Hamilton was jealous and attacked him while he slept, leaving Frederick permanently disabled. This allowed Hamilton to be deemed the fittest member of the group, and he took his place as leader of the council. Adding insult to injury, Hamilton keeps Frederick on the council, as a warning to the other members of what he's capable of. The Slade's mother is also part of the clan, but she seems pretty unconcerned with Frederick and constantly defends and supports Hamilton. We learn all of this through Ozymandias, who had actually taken Frederick on as a student and trained him to fight. Ozymandias wanted Frederick to lead Clan Akaba and believed he could do it well, before Hamilton savagely harmed him. Ozymandias also says that Frederick was unique among all the clan members as he was a genuinely good person. It starts to come through in this series that even though Ozymandias has been enslaved by Apocalypse for millennia at this point and seems pretty helpful and willing to work with him, he's not really the biggest fan and he is trying to enact his own agenda. One last thing is that when Frederick teleports, there is a blink sound Illustrated in large bright lettering in the comic, which is a reference to him being an ancestor of the later mutant known as Blink. Her first comic appearance actually came in 1996, and this story reveals her mutant lineage. If you saw it, she was one of the characters in X Men Days of Future Past. I always thought she was a cool part of the movie, so having this bit of reference to her ancestry was an interesting part of the Dracula series. Just some fun trivia for you. Alright, so our strange little group, which again consists of Apocalypse, Van Helsing, Jack Starsmore, and Frederick Slade, prepares for battle at the cottage, and eventually the mutant vampires show up in force to attack them. They battle all night until the sun comes up, which does the job of killing any remaining vampires for them. Defeating them, though, is a bit of a double-edged sword, because all of Clan Akaba has now been wiped out, except for Starsmore and the Slade brothers, one of whom is of course now serving Dracula. But during the battle, Apocalypse was unknowingly bitten by Dracula in the form of a bat, which both weakens him and makes him susceptible to Dracula's psychic control. Despite this, Apocalypse is determined to go to Transylvania and confront Dracula. Frederick is able to teleport the whole group to Transylvania, where they are quickly confronted by an angry mob, and then Dracula himself. He taunts Apocalypse before disappearing back to his castle, where he plans to face the group on his own terms. In order to get to the castle, Apocalypse has to make his way through hordes of vampires that stand guard outside. He gets help by summoning his Riders of the Dark, the army of mutants and inhumans I talked about in the last Apocalypse episode and they battle their way through the vampires toward the castle. But it seems like Apocalypse loses most of his Riders of the Dark as well. While that battle is going on, Frederick teleports himself, Starsmore, and Van Helsing into Dracula's castle. There, the group is met by Frederick's brother Hamilton, who attacks them. I should also mention that Hamilton has also murdered his mother in the meantime, so this guy has problems. But while Hamilton is busy fighting Starsmore, who can breathe fire, Frederick uses his teleportation powers to kill Hamilton in a way that I can only describe as some sort of Mortal Kombat fatality move. Honestly, it's a pretty cool moment in the comic, and I just recommend looking up the issue if you can. I literally said oh shit out loud when I got to that panel, so I don't want to spoil it right now for anybody who does want to read it. Apocalypse, meanwhile, has made his way through the vampires and faces down Dracula. He tries to attack the vampire, but due to the bite he received, Dracula can now control him and stops the attack and laughs at Apocalypse. Dracula is even able to command Apocalypse to kneel before him, and he has no choice but to obey. Dracula tells him that his plan is to make Apocalypse his servant for eternity and he will use Apocalypse's blood to enhance his own strength, becoming another powerful vampire mutant. Apocalypse is completely helpless, he has no way to fight Dracula, and he is rescued when Van Helsing arrives and throws some holy water on Dracula, breaking the hold he has on Apocalypse, which allows him to strike the vampire with deadly force. Apocalypse then beheads Dracula, one of the few ways to kill a vampire, and finally ends their deadly rivalry. And that is the story of Apocalypse's encounter with the legendary Dracula. Honestly, I really loved this series. I thought it was such a fun read. I was really surprised about it. And honestly, part of it is watching Apocalypse get bested until the very end. I just love anyone getting the better of him, honestly. I was kind of disappointed that Van Helsing helped him. But like I said, I definitely recommend reading the whole thing if you can. And with this series, I am at the end of this run of episodes about Apocalypse. He of course returns to cause major problems for the X-Men, but I wanted to make sure it was clear that he has been causing chaos and destruction for millennia prior to the formation of the X-Men team. So for now, we're going to leave the story there, and next episode, we will move into the life of the one and only Wolverine. There's a chance that people might have a little Wolverine fatigue from his many appearances in the movies, but I'm not too worried because it's going to be a lot of fun to dive into his story from the comics, which has a lot more to it. So join me for that next time, and if you want to read along, check out my Instagram at X-Men Unraveled, where I will post the issues that I'll be covering in the next episode. And of course, if you like the podcast, please leave a review and subscribe so that uh, helps other people find it. Thank you so much for listening, and try not to start any feuds with vengeful vampires. Bye!